Alhamdulillahi ta'ala na'maduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiru wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyiyati a'malina man yahdihi lahu falamudillalah wa man yudlil falan tajida lahu waliyan murshida wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallahu alwahidu alqahar alaziz alqafar wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim tasliman kathira يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ تُقَاتِهِ وَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ اتَّقُوا رَبَّكُمُ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ نَفْسٍ وَاحِدَةٍ وَخَلَقَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا وَبَثَّ مِنْهُمَا رِجَالًا كَثِيرًا وَنِسَاءً وَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ الَّذِي تَسَاءَلُونَ بِهِ وَالْأَرْحَامِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ رَقِيبًا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A blessed praise. We send peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Upon his family, his companions and those who follow them until the end of time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, one of the things that we find mentioned in the Quran is the stories of our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the word that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses to talk about those stories, those events that happened in his life, as well as the life of the other prophets, is Ibrah. The word Ibrah is from a word which means to travel, Abra Sabil, Abra Tariq, you know, to go across something. So the idea is that the stories and lessons that we derive from these incredible verses of the Quran that highlight the events surrounding these prophets will travel from our minds to our hearts and from our hearts to our actions. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Sayyidina Muhammad alayhi salatu wassalam laqad kana lakum fi rasulillahi uswatun hasana that indeed in the Messenger of Allah there is a pattern that should inspire you to follow him alayhi salatu wassalam. And we know that one of the important events in the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, according to the majority of Muslim historians and what they say al-amal, which most of the early Muslims acted upon, was the 27th night of this month, Rajab, is the night which many say al-Isra and Mi'raj happened, or yesterday. What usually happens is when we say this, the community uh, invests itself in something extremely, extremely beneficial, and that is fighting for about a week or two over whether the day actually happened. And in the process of doing that, we are kept from really benefiting from the broader lessons, which all of us agree on. We may differ on when this night occurred. Alhamdulillah, no problem, as Imam Ibn Hajar, he mentioned. But we all agree on the miraculous nature of our Prophet and some of the lessons that we should focus on so that this night becomes an ibrah that moves our hearts. And that's why Imam Malik radiallahu anhu used to say, Ida arad Allahu ta'ala bi'abdihi sharran. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants a person to fall 
into evil. Fatahalahu, he opens for that person Babu Jidal. He opens up the door of arguing and debating and fighting. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants good for somebody, he opens up the, and eases and facilitates actions in doing good deeds. So we want to just take a few lessons from this incredible event that happened in the Prophet's history and inshallah see how we can apply those lessons for today. But before we do that, let's talk about the context of the night journey. Isra and Mi'raj. Asra means to travel at night. Subhanallahi asra bi abadihi. Allah says, glorified is Allah who asra bi abadihi, who caused his servant to experience isra, which means to travel at night. Most of the ulama, they said that isra and mi'raj, our scholars, happened in a very important moment in Mecca. And this is the one lesson that we want to take in this first part of our khutbah. And that is that the Prophet wasallam he lost his beloved uncle, who was defending the Prophet externally, ensuring that the Prophet was protected from evildoers in his community, those people in Mecca who sought to harm him. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. وَهَمَّ بِقَتْلِ Allah says they intended to kill him. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So Abu Talib, and here's where we need to focus, represents the physical protection of the Prophet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And shortly after the loss of Abu Talib, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam loses his beloved wife, Sayyidah Khadija, our mother. Radiallahu anha. And we know from Sahih Muslim, even in Medina, that the Prophet's fondness and dedication to Sayyidah Khadija is unparalleled. Her sister Hala, she lived actually for a long time. And she used to resemble her sister Khadija. Khadija's sister, Hala. And one day, and they say in the books of history that Hala, like she would visit the Prophet unannounced. You know, she would just come and be welcomed in the home of Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam here, the interaction with in-laws, as Malcolm X said, in-laws can be outlaws. So now here we see, you know, how in-laws and, out, uh, and in-laws should interact with one another. And she used to visit the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam regularly. And one day she came and, 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 and nobody responded. So she said, Ya Muhammad, Ya Muhammad, O Muhammad Alayhi Salatu Salam. And his, her voice, was similar to the voice of Sayyidah Khadija. So the Prophet, when he heard her say this, he, he went like this. He said, Hala, Hala. And he was moved because she reminded him of Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu anha. So he lost his wife. And his wife represents the protection in the home. Right? the support, the unyielding support and belief. And that's why he said, she believed in me when no one believed in me. She authenticated him when no one would authenticate him. So we see in the 10th year in Mecca, the Prophet loses his social support, the physical support, power, if you will, in the dynamics of community organizing. And then he loses his internal support, the emotional support the constant verification of who he is. The Sufis, they call this maqama tajreed. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yujarrid abduhu an al-asbab. Hatta la yatawakkalu illa ala Allah. 
Imam Ibn Taymiyyah said that people will be peeled away. Tajreed means to be peeled. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will peel people away. And the Sufis talk about this as well. Until they have nothing else to rely on in this dunya except Allah. So the Prophet loses everything around him which he can rely on. His uncle, his wife, and he finds himself alone. As his entire life actually they say is maqama tajreed. He's born without a father, he loses his mother, he loses his grandfather, he loses his city, he loses his people, he loses his uncle, he loses his wife. Loss, loss, loss. The beginning of the seerah is really how to navigate tragedy. But the Muslim, they see these things differently. That loss is an opportunity to gain. That by losing things in this world, I'm able to gain a reality of who I should really trust in. And at that moment, we learn an important lesson. That the Prophet doesn't give up. Oftentimes, as a community, we find ourselves with the Uhud sickness. The Uhud sickness is to say, you know, physically and financially and socially, I'm not popular and successful. So this must correlate to my maqam with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, my relationship with Allah. But here the Prophet he doesn't become despondent. He doesn't give up. The year of sadness is happening. And a few months later, he decides to go to Ta'if, the resolve of the believer, constantly seeking ways to enhance his or her situation. And we know that the Prophet went to Ta'if, and we know, unfortunately, he was rejected. He was brutally opposed, and he comes back to Mecca. And he's not even allowed into Mecca. And if it wasn't for one ally, the Prophet ﷺ would not have been able to enter back into Mecca. And it's at this moment that the Isra in Mi'raj occur. In the moment of acute rejection and isolation and loneliness, as though Isra comes to the heart of Sayyidina Muhammad and his fledgling community, which are less than 60 people, and says to them, if everything in the world has left you, and if everyone in the world has turned their back on you, Allah has accepted you in the heavens. Now in the face of Islamophobia and the temptation to give up on our non-negotiable principles for social utility or being cool or finding people will like us. We should take a lesson that our community has to be invested in reinforcing the emotional and psychological attachment we have to this community and to each other. Mahabba, to truly care for one another. Allah is telling the Prophet we care for you, we care for your community. If they've turned your back on you, we accept you. Don't get it twisted. So now maybe I'm struggling with my exams, the midterms are breaking my back. Don't worry, you have a greater purpose. That's not an excuse. Maybe my brothers can scoot forward. Maybe my, my job is not working out well for me. Don't immediately contextualize that to your lack of spiritual relationship with God. Maybe sickness has fallen in my family. Maybe hardships are coming my way. Maybe in this, in this big city that I thought I would come and find so many people. As one person told me, 
the paradox of living in New York City, not being from New York City, and feeling lonely in one of the most important cities in the world, tells me, as the person told me, I'm a loser. So in these moments of tremendous isolation and pressure and sadness, our community has to act in the sunan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number one, make sure people have access to psychological and clinical help. Depression is one of the leading causes of death in this country now. And we've partnered with Thrive, Alhamdulillah, New York, through the mayor's office and through our brother Sayyid. And we have Sister Hala here doing an incredible job serving our community, as well as our three incredible chaplains, to make sure that people feel valued. But as community members also, we have a responsibility to say to salam, salam to the person that we don't know, to smile at people that we don't know, to be welcoming to people that we don't know, to give people a sense of reinforcement emotionally and support. So that's one lesson we take from this incredible night of Isra and Mi'raj, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nuthabitu bihi fu'adak, says in the Quran, these stories are meant to strengthen you psychologically, meant, meant to strengthen you emotionally, meant to strengthen your chest. As Sidi Junaid used to say, these stories are the jun min junudi These stories are soldiers from God. Yuthabbitu biha Allahu subhanahu wa ta'ala quluba awliya'i. That Allah uses to strengthen the hearts of the people. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us exporters of love and value. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to heal us and make us whole. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring us in a blessed union with our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hereafter kama amana bi wa lam narahu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqulu qawli hadha astaghfirullah li wa lakum fastaghfiru innahu al ghafur rahim الحمد لله لا أبغي به بدلا حمدا يبلغ مردوانه الأمل ثم الصلاة على خير الورى وعلى ساداتنا آله وصحبه الفضلة. We praise Allah subhanahu wa taala. We send peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam upon the Al of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and upon the blessed companions of Sayyidina Muhammad and his ummah, his community, حتى تقوم الساعة till the end of time. There's a number of lessons we can take because we are living in an era where um, there are tremendous challenges facing our community and that there are similar challenges facing other communities in this country. And there are some very interesting lessons if we think deeply about the mu'jizat of the Anbiya, the miracles of the prophets, and one of them being Isra and Mi'raj. You know, usually when people talk about Isra Mi'raj, they start to talk about some of the theological differences uh, around Isra Mi'raj, when did it happen. These all tend to be like thorny knolls that we get caught up in. And if we're lucky to make it on the other side, our clothes are ripped to pieces. So we're too weak to do anything else but heal from being wounded in this forest of differences and arguments. As Ibn Hajar used to say, like there's no need. But there is some, an interesting point, especially in the idea of being woke, that the prophets, there is a discussion amongst our fuqaha and our theologians within the Sunni tradition. Was the prophet awake 
when he experienced Isra and Mi'raj? Or was it a spiritual experience? The predominant opinion of the majority of Sunni theologians is that the Prophet was woke. What? And that even when the prophets were dreaming and had miracles, they were woke. That's what made their dreams miracles. They experienced them in a state of wakefulness. So that's why Sayyidina Ibrahim says, In Surah Safat, Sayyidina Ibrahim says to his son, I saw in my sleep that I'm going to do this to you. So that's why Al-Qurtubi says, this wasn't from revelation. This was just a dream of a prophet. Hence he asked his son, and his son says, do what you've been commanded. But he gives his son the choice because it wasn't wahi. It was a dream. So the point here is that the greatest miracles of the prophet and the prophets didn't happen while they were sleeping. Even when they were supposed to be sleeping, they were woke. Let's talk about that instead of getting caught up in, can I eat meat here? Is M&M halal? Are M&Ms halal? <laughs> that may be important in a seminary. That may be important for students of knowledge. But most of us are just trying to make it in this dunya, man. And that's why Ar-Razi says something very powerful about Isra Mi'raj. He said, Subhanalladhi asra bi'abadihi. Allah says, glorified be the one who made Isra with his servant. Ar-Razi says the word abd is never used in Arabic for someone who's sleeping. But the word abd, servant, is used for the person who is cognitively aware, physically aware, and engaged in an action. So what are some of the lessons we can take around wokeness from Isra and Mi'raj? The first is that in my activism, in my engagement, in order so I don't get trumped by what's going on around me, trumped is a verb. In the hood, it means to get played. That I invest cognitively, so I understand I'm educated on the issues. I have to be careful that I don't appropriate other people's struggles or inject myself in a way that's harmful. As the Quran says, Leave those people alone in the 18th chapter of the Quran. Don't engage them, because engaging them will create a bigger problem. Let them work out their issues. Be an ally by stepping up. And what do we say? Stepping back, knowing when to step back. As the Prophet, when he came to Medina, and he witnessed the people of Medina, were doing a transaction which is very similar to interest. But he doesn't forbid it because he said, These, they're going to work it out on their own. And they did. It became what's called Bay'u Sulam now, in the books of Fiqh. The second is that my heart is present. And that means that in my activism, I am a Muslim. And my number one job in life as a Muslim is to serve Allah. They will never believe, O Muhammad, until they make you the one who settles their disputes. Whatever the Prophet has ordered us to do, do it. And whatever he has forbade us to do, leave it. 
So I see that my activism is a tool of spiritual resistance in the name of Islam. And that's why in the Quran, we find this balance between activism and spirituality. The activist as a spiritual warrior, a spiritual being. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the fifth chapter of the Quran, and now we recall Palestine, we can't talk about Isra Mi'raj without talking about the sickness of occupation. We need to have asks by people who claim to be down with the progressive agenda, but support the occupation of Palestine. This is a clear contradiction that cannot be negotiated with. As we say in recent days with the occupation of Kashmir, that these are non-negotiables for us as a community. If it's going to be about activism, then it has to be about honest and sincere activism. But here we see in the fifth chapter of the Quran, Allah says to Sayyidina Musa and his followers, go into the Holy Land. And the followers of Musa said, قَالُوا يَا مُوسَىٰ إِنَّ فِيهَا قَوْمٌ جَبَّارِينَ Yo, there's some big people there, man. That's how it should be translated. There are some really large, massive human structures in that Holy Land. We're good. You and your Lord go and you handle it. Then Allah says, Two people from Musa's community said, go in. And Allah describes those two people as being people that had, they were khasha, they were spiritually woke. They had the reverence of God. One of my teachers, he's now in prison in Egypt, may Allah free him. He said, two people who are spiritually grounded and active are more powerful than an entire nation. Because of that balance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, How many prophet, prophets, godly people struggled with them. So we have to be really, really awake, double awake, that we are not sacrificing our principles and our positions whether politically, economically, morally, socially, religiously, in the name of utility. We learn this in the Surah Wa Mi'raj when Sayyidina Muhammad comes back, alayhi salatu wassalam, and he tells the people, this is what I saw. This is what happened. A large contingent of the Prophet's followers left him because that was just too much socially to handle. Like, yo, he done did it now. This is like too embarrassing. But we see people like Sayyidina Abu Bakr, in bihi faqad sadaq. If he said it, I believe him. I'm not going to negotiate this. Sayyidina Ali, alayhi salam. If he said this, I'm not going to negotiate this issue. That there were those who understood that there are certain principles in community work and engagement which are non-negotiable. And ultimately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them fat. The last two points, and we'll make it quick, 
is the idea of working our way to the top. Sometimes I worry when people come in my office and are like, you know, I have a plan to save the ummah. <laughs> Dang, dude. Like, it's our office, actually. Uh, where's your project proposal to save the ummah? Oh, no, man, last night I was playing Fortnite, and <laughs> as I was building this fort, right? And I actually got a bush. And I thought... Hold on a second. That's your project proposal. Have you worked in the community? Have you learned from Imam Siraj? Do you know who Imam Siraj is? Do you know who Imam Talib is? Do you know who the Imam are? Do you know Sister Aisha Adawiya? Do you know the historical trajectory of Islam in Brooklyn? Do you know the communities in Queens? Do you know that on State Street Masjid, Imam Dawood was there in 1939, grinded from Trinidad to build a community? Or are you just showing up? After fortnight, you had an epiphany because you got third place. And you feel now that you can save the ummah. We see something in Isra wa Mi'raj, the respect for those who came before us. When I became an imam, I didn't want to become an imam. I just didn't want to be dumb white convert guy. And my teacher told me, I want you to go here and be my. I want you to learn from all the imams in your city. He's like, and you're not allowed to speak. I had memorized the Quran. He's like, you're not allowed to talk. I was like, but like, yo, I memorized the Quran. He's like, you didn't memorize the Quran to speak. You memorized the Quran to speak to God. So he made me go and learn from other people in the community, the Bengali community, the Pakistanis who were divided over MQM and People's Party. I know about that stuff. <laughs> because I had to engage, I taught in that community, right? The, the converts who hadn't learned Islam but wanted to like change Islam, like tomorrow. Like, when did you become Muslim? Yesterday. But I'm like a mujaddid. Like, how oh, are you mujaddid? You just became Muslim yesterday. He sent me to the MSAs. He sent me to different communities. He sent me to women's groups. He's like, you got to learn from the community before you really come out and say that you're somebody or that you feel that you can do something. You got to work for it. So in Isra wa Mi'raj, the prophet meets all of the prophets. And they validate him as a leader. And he becomes their imam. The idea of the succession. And unfortunately, most of our nonprofits, especially unfortunately when it comes to women leadership, have no succession plan. But Allah had a succession plan. And the last lesson, which is crucial, is that the Prophet ﷺ, after success, stays humble. At the height of his success, Al-Qurtubi said, Allah didn't say, Subhanalladhi asra bi sayyid al-khalq ajma'een. Subhanalladhi asra bi khatim al-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen. Subhanalladhi asra bi imam al-salihin wa qudwat al-arifin. He doesn't use these big words to describe the Prophet at the height of his professional success. He uses what word? Abdi. Just a servant, man. And that's why in the seerah, we see that the Prophet doesn't forget where he comes from doesn't lose himself. I worry in a community that sometimes turns imams and sheikhs and Instagram stars into like iconic superheroes. No. I'm a person just like you. But when he reached Sidratul Muntaha, a place where no human being has ever been, and he sees all of these things before prayer is prescribed to him, He's with Sayyidina Jibreel. 
And at this place, he will speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the predominant opinion is that he saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as they enter into that realm, Sayyidina Muhammad turns to Jibreel and says, Taqaddam ya Jibreel. You, you go first. Adab. At the height of success, his success doesn't intoxicate him. He doesn't forget etiquette. He doesn't forget who he is. He stays grounded. Go ahead, you, you go. And Sayyidina Jibreel, he says, Bal taqaddam ya Muhammad. No, you're the only one who can go there. He stays humble. And the last lesson is that if we were to look at Ta'if without knowing anything that happened, we would say, you know, Ta'if really wasn't a success. Like if you just look at it without knowing the background. But we see that Ta'if really is one of the greatest successes in the history of the seerah. So when we see each other make mistakes in activism, we see each, other's making mis each other making mistakes in the challenges of a Trump America, forgive each other. Be patient. I feel like if I slipped and fell down the stairs, there'd be like a Facebook post like, fell down the stairs, 14th reason to avoid. And we've created a climate where we don't let people like Linda grow, Sister Dalia Magahid grow. Even they're going to grow without us because they're too awesome. Let Khada Latif grow. Let Amira grow. Let Imam Siraj grow. Let people grow because mistakes sometimes to us may actually be success. So Ta'if becomes this important moment where the Prophet teaches us about redemption, community education, forgiveness, and then is strengthened with Isra and Mi'raj, and then the Hijra happens. And right before the Hijra happens, right after Isra and Mi'raj, six people come to Sayyidina Muhammad Ta'if doesn't work, a whole city doesn't want you. We're going to send you six people. Those six people are from a city called Yathrib. And Yathrib will become what? Become Medina. So oftentimes we should realize when we're hypercritical or harsh on people or putting people on blast because we may not understand what they're doing or they may be, may be making mistakes, that ultimately those mistakes may be for a greater good. So to love and be patient with one another, to wish for the best of each other, to offer advice in a sincere, loving way, not to destroy each other. There are some important lessons we learned from Isra al-Mi'raj. Number one, our complete, unconditional dedication to Palestine. If you take the D out of it, it's no longer BDS. I'll let you figure out what the rest is. Our support for occupied, the occupied people of Kashmir. These are non-negotiables. Our unconditional dedication to black America, when 30 to 50% of our community are black Americans. We are unconditionally dedicated to this cause. These are non-negotiables. The idea of being there emotionally and psychologically for one, one another, loving each other. The other lessons we took are working in the community and building a name for ourselves and understanding the communities that we serve instead of just interjecting ourselves into communities. The other lesson that we took is the idea of, man, giving people some room to grow and move, make mistakes and learn, and ultimately trusting that Allah will bring khair from what you and I, from a human 
and sacred perspective may see as problematic. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless all of your hearts. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us to be people who give others a sense of value. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the bravery to truly love people. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the bravery to truly bring value and warmth and love to hearts of those people around us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless black America. We ask Allah to continue to protect black America from state-sponsored terrorism. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us an ally within the realms of our own influences, whether it's white male privilege or otherwise, to stand up and be as true allies to our black brothers and sisters. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless Palestine. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us also an ally economically, politically, and socially, and actively for the people of Palestine. We have to remember that Palestine and Kashmir and what happened even years ago in Bosnia, what's happening to the Turks, Turkmen, of course, in Western China, that's something that Muslims should talk about more. These are not just Islamic issues. These are human issues. We ask Allah to make us truly allies to those people. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect people from our own ability to oppress them. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless all of our students with their midterms. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it much better than you think it's going to be. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless those of us who may be having trouble with our parents, relationship with our families. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you hikmah and wisdom to be a means of bringing, inshallah, healing to that situation. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us men be truly allies to our sisters. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us understand things that we may not understand and to help us be truly invested in the healing of our community. We ask Allah to heal our sisters who may have felt any pain may have been treated badly, may have gone through certain challenges. Because it's one thing to struggle in the streets, but it's a whole other issue to have to struggle in the church that you go to, man. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring healing and transparency and blessings and beauty to our community. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our married couples. May Allah strengthen the bonds of love between you. It's warm outside. May Allah give you a wonderful date night. Inshallah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect those communities which are vulnerable and to make us a means to help those communities. We ask Allah to cure those brothers and sisters who may be struggling with depression. Depression is not because you have weak faith. Depression is not because your relationship with Allah is not strong. If anyone tells you that, they're committing the greatest crime possible, right? We ask Allah to facilitate your healing. We ask Allah to give you a sense of true value. We ask Allah to bless your heart, inshallah. We pray for all of those in this country who are working for the justice and value of the people of this country. We ask Allah that he makes us truly allies to those people. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar. Rabbana la tuzil qulubana ba'dith hadaytana wa hablana min ladunka rahma innaka anta al-wahab. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-muhsaneen. Walhamdulillahi.